Welcome one and all to episode 195 of the original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are back. We were going to make our return last week uh, before the national championship game. Uh, Probably best that we didn't, even though both of us figured Michigan were going to win. Best that we didn't. And now we get uh, we get into the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, we had a cancel last week because I've had the flu for a week, and so uh, if you hear coughing or dying noises, that's just me in the background. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, but, glad you're feeling better. Yeah, well, it's for the most part. But uh, other than that, how are things going in the new year, man? It's been it's doing we're doing great here. Um, just been real. It's very cold. It's like negative eight degrees. I think it's gonna be negative ten when I wake up. But I don't have to go anywhere tomorrow, so I'll just be hunkered down. Kids don't have school, but it, uh, everything's been going well. Except we've just been really really busy and uh, with our personal and work lives and unable to connect to do some recording. So it's still gonna be kind of sporadic throughout the draft season. But we're gonna be able to fit fit in some shows we're we're figuring it out right now how we're um you know got a plan to record these shows but we we got to get our draft takes out there because lord knows if we would have had a time to do a show before monday's game we would have predicted michigan winning against washington and as hard as that is for me to do it's been so long since we've done a show Seth. tons of, of stuff has happened ohio state got uh embarrassed in a bowl game um i didn't dodge the show not to talk about that game because it, it, it was just an embarrassing thing. And you've seen what they've done since that game. They felt like they needed to get a quarterback. They got Will Howard. They felt like they needed to do something big. They get Quinshawn Judkins. That's for another show, though. Uh, tonight, we're here to talk about the draft, as always. And, you know, today, if you're listening to this, it'll be a day later. But um, it was January 15th was the deadline for underclassmen to declare. And... I don't think we had a lot of surprises. You know, Caleb Williams waited till the last minute, but everyone knew he was going to be in the draft because he didn't play in their bowl game. Uh, Drake May, of course, is in. Marvin Harrison Jr. is in. That, that's obvious. J.J. McCarthy declared on Sunday, uh, January 14th. So was that a surprise to you? No, it just makes it feel like that Jim Harbaugh is done. Right? That's what I was thinking. I, was, I had the exact same thought. I, as soon as... McCarthy declared, I thought Harbaugh's leaving for the NFL. By the way, I mean, with what the, I mean, and this isn't, I'll, I'll say this because I know Justin thinks it as well. This, this has the Pete Carroll feeling all over it, does it not? Like, they're about to be in some big trouble, and so he won a natty. He walks away on top before, like, sanctions and stuff come down on them, and... And, like, he, he can walk away from it and doesn't have to worry about anything. Yeah, he walks away a national champ in a season where he was suspended twice for a total of six games, right? So uh, the, there's, the NCAA is still investigating this uh, sign-stealing thing. And the NCAA, you know, the wheels move slowly there. We don't know when there's yeah, the, going to be the some The wheels kind of... of justice move very slowly <laughs> on don't the NCAA. Know. Yeah. And we, we just don't know um, – I, I mean, I'll say this. I don't think we know. Does this open a bigger can of worms? Are they, are they going to find more schools were doing things like this? That's totally possible in my mind, right? So it could be a while before they decide 
Harbaugh's going to get out of there before he gets another suspension. And he gets out on a high note with the national championship. Guys like and he's and he's going to make. I mean, he's going to make what between fifteen and twenty million a year. That's, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, that's what it sounds and, like. And and to be fair, like he's you, got a you few teams I, after him, and he didn't he already interview with uh, somebody. I, I'm not sure, but I mean, you I and think I he interviewed are not, with the Chargers already. Right. I you and I are not big L.A. guys, uh, but there's a lot of worse places to live making fifteen million dollars a year. Yeah. Than la or la area uh, i was i was born there (laughs) i lived i moved around second grade but so i mean i thought it was nice then i don't know what it's like now well i mean i just mean i I just mean from the money standpoint right the taxes and everything i mean but i live in illinois seth yeah so i mean Um, that kind of thing doesn't so so mccarthy's kind of me (laughs) yeah mccarthy's kind of the first surprise we had a couple surprises, not surprises, with injury. Jonathan Brooks, the outstanding running back from Texas. You'd love to know how much of a difference he makes if he's healthy, you know, and, and, and not to take anything away from Texas or anything like that, but their offense just lacked, you know, some continuity throughout their, their loss to Washington in the semifinals. Uh, Brooks, you know, while not quite B. John Robinson, is, it was no slouch as a college running back. No, he was – he was fantastic. I think he was, you know, for the – if you limit it to a certain amount of carries, you know, a certain workload, he was up there among the, the tops in yards per carry, taking away quarterbacks. Some of the quarterbacks had ridiculous numbers. Um, I wasn't too surprised that Brooks declared he was a redshirt sophomore, but he's coming off that ACL. So he, yeah. he's on track to be ready. It sounds like the last thing I heard was it's clean a clean ACL, which means no other ligaments or – cartilage was involved so to, that puts him on track to be available for the beginning of next season so he's one of those guys he might not practice much or play much in, in uh, training camp he might go on the pup to start things out but um, really good player uh, again not not really a surprise but just to see a redshirt sophomore come out in an era where so many guys are staying for six years well, not just that, but like you said, a redshirt sophomore coming off an injury that hasn't, I mean, he's been fantastic, so I don't want it to sound like he hasn't done anything, but hasn't really done anything. You know what I'm saying? He, like, he did rush for 1,000 yards before getting hurt, but right. um, it, it was his first year being kind of the main guy. Right. So, so yeah. So it's just but with running back, it's a little bit different, right? Right. Cooper so you DeJong, can take – Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, you, but you can go for the running back that's been – um, just a one-year guy because that's just how that position works in college, right? Yeah, and, and you know, there's a lot of times, especially when you're at Texas behind a guy like... Bijan Robinson. Bijan, yeah. you know, and, and to a lesser extent, even uh, Roshan Johnson, like you're, you're just not going to get the carries. You're not going to get the opportunities to run the football. So I want to come, come, put a pin in that and come back to it later when we get into our next discussion. But you were starting on Cooper Dijon, so... Go yeah, yeah. forward with that one. Cooper DeJean. Uh, Are you declared. surprised, first of all? No, I don't think anybody's surprised no. about that. I, Me either. Again, maybe because of the injury. Mm-hmm. That's the way you look at it, and you go, huh, kind of surprising that um, But he would declare with the injury. But, you know, they are phenomenal at developing guys in that situation, right? Like... Phenomenal at developing. Uh, you mean Iowa is phenomenal yeah. at, at developing white cornerbacks? 
Well, just in just DBs in general. I mean, tight ends and offensive linemen, yeah. and defensive backs. No, I was, just come up. <laughs> I was joking, but um, yeah, you're right. Like Desmond King recently, and um, a couple of the, we've seen some of the corners. Some of them come out there. They've been a little overrated. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that's Iowa's whole whole thing, right? O line and def- defensive linemen and defense backs and linebackers. Right, and so we'll see, you know, how that works out. He's gonna, I, you wonder if he's gonna be healthy enough to test and everything. But from I think he's one of those guys that doesn't need to be, though. He he's right. clearly a playmaker. Uh, you can see on his punt returns, and they can clock him in pads miles per hour now. So we the forty is fun for us. I mean, we we like to talk about it and gamble on it and things like that. But you know, Dijon is at least a four four guy and. Uh, everybody says he's sub four four, right? Um, Jonah Ellis, the outstanding uh, pass rusher from Utah. Again, I don't think that's really a surprise. It's uh, not really, but it just just in the respect that you don't see a lot of early entries coming out of the state of Utah out of that program. Um, you know, Devin Lloyd a couple of years ago, for example, and, and I think it was more because he didn't really break out, but. He had, a, if if I recall correctly, he had a pretty solid junior year, and he stayed around, and then you know became a first round pick. Did yeah, I get that name right? I I get my Devin bosses. Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, Devin, yeah, Lloyd, Devin is Lloyd. Correct. Okay. You know, and and I'm these uh, Utah guys are always a little tricky um, with if they're what their age is, right? Because of uh, if they go on mormon missions and things like that so we'll see they list him uh, do they have you talking about ellis yeah yeah we've talked about him before he, I, i'll give you the key points he's six two and i think they put him around 245 250 right um but he looks like he has short arms doesn't he yeah but no do we know his age uh, I just know he was a true junior, so that's okay, kind of so what, what what's unique not, about him coming out of Utah. He did not go on a mission then. Uh, yeah, they I'll, list him at twenty. So. Yeah, I don't think so. No, because I, I mean so. he, it's not BYU, so a lot of Utah kids are coming. Are, it's not. Uh, they do get a lot of Mormon mission kids, but not like BYU, where it's like almost their whole roster, right? Yeah, and but Ellis, dad, um, like. Not a surprise, really, but again, just you're you're coming out of Utah, and I, I've seen him listed anywhere between two thirty five and two fifty. Yeah. So his weighing so, is going to be critical. He's, I mean, the one thing he does have is the genetics. I mean, Dad was a first team All Conference and All American at Utah. Played a decade in the league. His brother Caden plays for the Atlanta Falcons right now, uh, and w- he was with the Saints before that, I he, think. Yes, and then his brothers Christian and Noah are both uh, defensive players at Idaho right now. So okay, like, so yeah, it's a, yeah, it's the, a family thing, right? He's the only, well, other than Dad, he's the only one that ended up at Utah. Everybody else played at Idaho, uh, but you know that, he's, that's a he, function of maybe how good they are, right? Right, Troy Franklin. Uh, real quick before you oh, go, go move on to Franklin Ellis, did you talk about his numbers this year? Yeah, I mean, no, he put up massive. He numbers had twelve this year. sacks. In, I think, 10 games. Yeah, 10 games, 12 and, uh, sacks. 16, 16. Ha- tackles for loss. Yep. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that, you know, he's kind of a 
high energy, high effort player. Um, I think he's going to be an athlete too. I just think about the arms, but he did bat down three passes this year. He did. And, you know, you look at him, he, you know, obviously you hate ever um, comparing somebody to a guy that's like a borderline consistent defensive player of the year. But a guy like uh, effort-wise, not body style or anything like that, Max Crosby, you know, that – that has that like unrelenting effort. Uh, I was Crosby. sure you were going to say TJ Watt. No, no, Crosby's just much, to annoy me. <laughs> yeah, no, Crosby's much bigger uh, at six five, you know, two sixty five. But it's just uh, he he's just a uh, you know he's a stud. Um, I I think he's going to end up being a day two guy. I'm interested though, like you said, the metrics and everything. If he's he tests test well, then I think he could be a. a late first rounder because we've seen that with the last couple of drafts with Karloftis and uh, um, FAU coming out of Kansas last year. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, from Kansas State going to Kansas City late in the first round. So um, if, if you got a guy that, that can rush the passer and test well, even if there might be some measurable thing that's, that's not completely up to snuff, you could still see those guys get in the first round because it's – yeah um, – the defensive end class, there's not – outside of Dallas Turner, I don't think there's a, a real stud there in terms of, like, surefire top ten pick. Yeah, okay. something we'll talk about. Eventually, as, not tonight. Yeah. Uh, Troy Franklin yeah. of Utah declared he's a freak. Um, so let me I, – I put Troy Franklin on the show sheet for a reason because n- not at all a surprise. He had a tremendous year, I think. I, I'd, we'll, we'll look up his stats while we talk, but – um, Franklin exploded this year. I mean, just complete domination. And he's so fast that you, it's, I think you're hard pressed to find examples of him being pressed at the line of scrimmage because uh, that's going to be the knock on him, right? Because he's thin, he's tall and thin. He's going to be between six, two, six, probably just under six, three, right? Yeah. And he's under 200 pounds. He's built kind of like those Ohio State receivers we've seen recently, but he um, is a little bit taller than those guys. But he kind of plays like them, so yeah. and the way they use him. So, the, but the reason I put Franklin on here is why aren't we talking about him more as a potential wide receiver three in this class? It's just I think it's just the depth of the class, man. It's it's a it's great crazy. class. It's crazy because, you know, you're already seeing the pushback about the consensus of, of Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Uh, being the number one guy. And it's like, well, you know, Malik Neighbors is so much better with the ball in his hands after the catch. And I'm like. I don't know. why. We, what has Marvin done after the catch that's problematic? I, well, and I think it's just that, like, it gets overlooked because he's not as uh, highlight reel as Neighbors is. But he also didn't run the same route patterns right. as neighbors I on think those he short has routes. the the deepest yards per target um you know per catch or something like that there was something I retweeted on Twitter if you guys follow still are on X I'm at AFC to NFC you can check my timeline I, I retweeted something about that but um and it has to do with Franklin too because he was at the top of the list um yeah we're seeing that kind of contrast uh, what is it, contrarianism? Yeah. You know, to put neighbors ahead of, of Marvin Harrison Jr. And um, I think there is always a dare to be different 
mentality in draft Twitter, um, and we can talk about this later when we do our actual rankings, Seth. But um, you know, I I'm not gonna you know give any, anybody too much guff for um, putting neighbors over Harrison Jr. right now. He's younger, uh, but they play they kind of play differently, and I I, I don't really think you go wrong with either guy. I still no, think no. Harrison Jr. is the wide receiver. To me, he's clearly the wide receiver one because he can do everything. He run routes and he's big. He can win contested catches and he can burn you, you know. But back to Franklin, um, he can kind of do all those things too, right? Well, yeah. And you look at his last two years. You mentioned it. He, you know, since he kind of started getting actual playing time and mm-hmm. targets and things of that nature. Uh, Twenty six games played. He has 142 catches and then he has um, 2,274 yards and 23 touchdowns in 26 games yeah so I mean you're talking about a guy that averages nearly you know uh, that averages nearly 90 yards per game nearly a touchdown a game Uh, and and this year especially I mean 81 for just under 1,400 and and 14 touchdowns is like it's just otherworldly type stuff yeah, over a touchdown a game this year <laughs> and so you just look at him i mean he's like you said i think i think the leanness of him is going to be what some people have a problem with mm-hmm. six six two you know they're saying between 170 185 like he's going to be he's going to be like a a bigger Devonte smith right like right and he, he's an incredibly lean guy as opposed to like you were talking about these other receivers, and especially in this class, I mean, every every guy in this class is kind of a, a a freak in some way, right? Yeah, there's a lot of different types of receivers too, so it it, it would kind of be nitpicky with the rankings, um, you know, dissecting the rankings of maybe like the top nine guys. In, in my opinion, after number one, I I mean, I will say I think Harrison's clearly number one, but. After that, I do think you could kind of be nitpicking. So you could you could presumably have a ranking, and maybe I'm prepping people for what I'm going to say uh, eventually. I haven't got to it yet, but you could presumably have a ranking that has Dunze as the fifth receiver in this class, even as good as he is, right? Right. And that's the that's and the it wouldn't be too. that stupid because you'd be saying that there's five or six first-round caliber receivers. It's that good of a class. Right. And I don't want to uh, spoil it later, but we'll, we'll come back to that point. Carson Steele, um, you know, I don't think we're surprised by this, but we're going to see what the NFL thinks of him, right? We're probably not surprised because he's a running back. Um, he went to Ball State, and then he went to UCLA and had a good year for them. So I think running back, you're talking about, it's pretty unusual nowadays for – running backs to stay on for four years of wear and tear, right? Were you surprised by the reduction of touches he saw this year? Not really, because he's going from a place where he's just their only offense, especially, you know, he was in the run game, he was in the pass game at Ball State, and now he's going to a place like UCLA where you got a lot of talent on that roster compared to a place like Ball State, so... Um, but it wasn't like 
it wasn't like they that he was marginalized on that offense. He still was no, a no. Key he player. just, I mean, he went from three hundred eighteen touches to. I mean, he had less touches as a junior than he did as a freshman at Ball State. Yeah, because um, that's Ball State. I mean, not disrespecting these uh, group of five programs, but that's just how their rosters are are set up. And if you're good enough to go play at a place like in the Power Five, or is it going to be Power Four now? Um, you're you've got to be pretty good, but you're still going to have a lot of competition on your own roster. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, it it went from 204 to 318 to heavy load sophomore year to 5.5 this year um, in the Pac-12, which, you know, we can call it a a power conference, but outside of, you know, probably, uh, sorry, outside of Oregon and and, um, Washington this year wasn't very good. Yeah, but... uh you could say that about the Big Ten, too, outside of Ohio State and Michigan wasn't very good. You know, I mean, Ohio State's I, stinking it I, up in the bowl game. But I, I get was, your point. I was fantastic to watch. For that. <laughs> that was pretty bad, too. Um, um, the other LSU wide receiver, yeah. Ryan Th- Thomas, um, and he's getting, I mean, just to your point, he's now getting first-round buzz. Uh, right. Dane Brugler had him in his top five of receivers. And I don't think he had Franklin in his top five. And he's another guy that's going to, you know, I'm going to guess he comes in at 6'4", but they list him at 6'5", 200 pounds. Um, you look at what he did in, in some games. I mean, his final game against against Wisconsin, he played in the bowl game. Uh, eight catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. And neighbors did not play in that game. Or, right. or he, he did, actually, just to get the record, and then came out of the game. Yeah, and then you look at you know his his game against like Florida six for 152 and two touchdowns. Like he had he had big games throughout the year, but he wasn't the consistency of of maybe these other guys. But yeah, Thomas was also um, I mean he was a touchdown machine this year. Yeah, but he's also touchdowns. a bit of a one year wonder. Uh, he is a complete one year wonder, uh, but it makes sense to me if you are. If you're uh, this, you know, this group, because you're saying to yourself, uh, I'm going with Jaden. Like, I'm, I'm leaving with the Heisman. Mm-hmm. I'm getting out of here. And Oh, yeah. And, and so, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, yeah, Thomas, though, um, to me, he's going to be – you know he's one he's one of that group of receivers that's going to be in the first two three rounds right there's going to be like well again i'm spoiling later in the show but there's going to be a ton of them and he's in there so if you say brian thomas you know dame brugler like i said says he's the fifth best receiver in this class if you had him anywhere from five to ten or twelve in this class it's probably not disrespectful there's going to be that many Receivers. Um, lastly, Sione Vaki, one of my favorite players in college football this year because he starred for Utah at basically playing safety and linebacker on defense. And then they put him in as the, the primary running back in a couple games. And he was fantastic running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield. I don't know. My, my question with Vaki, who was – I think I was surprised he declared. He was a 
sophomore, but he was one of these kids that did have the mission. So he's been out of school for, for a time. yeah, for I think four years. He's been out of high school. So he's a sophomore, but he's an older sophomore, but he's still young relative to the draft class. And where are you going to play this guy? I think most people are projecting him as a safety. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe in the kind of Jabril Peppers slash maybe even like a Honey Badger type of way to play safety. Or definitely a guy who's going to also be used to getting after the quarterback. Or is he a running back? Or yeah. can he be a two-way player? That would be fun. I, and the NFL is so – all these games have been blowouts in the playoffs. I know. There's been one good player. Yeah, game. and uh, there's a lot of flags. So we need something fun. We need a two-way player. Is Vaki the guy? Um, you know, it'll be interesting as this kind of unfolds. Obviously, these, this is just a precursor. But let's talk real quick about who went back. Um, I think, I mean, we can go – let's go with – the let me, first group. Yeah, last. let me start let's with. Go la- we'll go we'll with do with them last. last. Okay. All right. So, uh, Juice Wells, he's transferring again. And is he transferring? And I thought he was just coming back. Where's he going? I thought he. I thought I read he was transferring. Right, we'll, right. we'll fact check this. But uh, he's coming back. Um, you know, he didn't have the years, the year that people expected. Obviously, injuries played a huge part in that. Um, and you're right, by the way. It, he is going to Ole Miss. Yeah, I thought I read yeah. that he was leaving. So he's staying and going to he's staying in school, but going to Ole Miss. Right. So you have that. Uh, you know, it, it's a good fit. We'll see how it works out. Shadur Sanders obviously staying with his dad. Um, I think also the you know the shine kind of wore off on mm-hmm. Shadur. Although uh, he had a great season, and he's a tr- he'll be a true senior. Not like some of these seniors we've seen recently. Right. Uh, you know, and like you said, he had 3,200 yards, 27 touchdowns, only three interceptions, just under uh, 70% completion percentage. I mean, he played well. The big thing is going to be the wins and losses there, right? Like, they yeah. gotta, they, they got to stack wins. Or, yeah, like J.J. McCarthy, they're going to talk about 27-1. and one. I mean, he's, right. he's going to be some people's quarterback three, I guarantee. Um, maybe Carson – NFLs oh, too, um, but you know with these guys, um, Shadur he probably is, cracks the top five of quarterbacks in this class if he comes out, doesn't he? I I, I want to see more from his arm. He he. That's the rub on him, the arm strength. Yeah, he and, reminds me a lot of Tua, man. Okay, like but, just his arm in general. And I guess the argument would be that uh, like Daniels, Penix, and Knicks all have stronger arms than Shudder. Right. Okay. Uh, Carson Beck is coming back. I don't think that's a surprise. I mean, he's a, he'll be a, he'll be a true red shirt senior. So like, but this was his first year as a starter. Right. So he's not different than like, like he's not a COVID reclass guy, right? No, he's a, he's a true red shirt senior which is something that we've seen before uh it's just <laughs> been a while that, right like, back in 2018 <laughs> um and he had a good year i mean he had just under four thousand yards 24 well, touchdowns and only six interceptions and he lost a game yeah and, and at one point uh dame brugler again of the athletic 
he had Carson Beck in his top 50 overall at one point. Before, yeah. Obviously, it's before Beck announced he was returning. But that's big for Georgia. It put, keeps them in title contention. And, and the way he plays is just so J.J. McCarthy-esque, right? Like, it's yeah. just so efficient. It's very, very little uh, pizzazz or anything like that. It's, it's, it's mostly just like, here's what I do. Uh, and, it, like, it's kind of crazy to watch him. I mean, you look at his numbers uh, the last five games, and it was, you know, 72% completions, two touchdowns, one interception, 80% completion. 300 yards, three touchdowns, 65% completions, 175, one touchdown, 72% completion, 240 yards, uh, and then 203 yards, 72% completion, and and two touchdowns. Like, it's just – it's kind of robotic almost, <laughs> and, and not in a negative it way. No, it, it's, it reminds me of the uh, process – or the, uh, you know, succession of Alabama quarterbacks – at some point, you know, before you get to Hertz and Tua, there was, and then it went back with it with Mac Jones. You had to kind of like, you had John the, uh, the booty. Yeah, yeah, well, you had the the McElroy, you had oh, the McElroy, AJ McCarron. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, then you had Mac Jones, and then here in Georgia, you've had Jake Fromm, you've had, um, you had Stetson Bennett. Now you got Carson Beck, and Beck seems like the best, you know, the most talented of the that succession. Right, he's right. playing that same game, but he's probably the most talented guy of the bunch so far. So, and we'll see how that goes. We know Brock Vandegrift, uh, who was supposed to be the big thing coming through Georgia, has transferred to Kentucky. So it's it's well, all... but even I mean, like even Dylan Riola left. He's going mm-hmm. to Nebraska. Like these guys ain't about the the action, man. And like Carson Beck is an old school guy. Like he he hung with it. He stuck with it, and it worked out. Yeah. I think there are some guys who have the luxury to do that. And, uh, yeah, it, it's working out for him. He's going to come in next. He's going to be in those way too early 2025 first-round mocks for sure. Um, you said, Shadur, you talked about Juice. The big, all the big names after that, you know, they were Buckeyes. And it. I don't think, you know, you and I have been texting about this going back. And all, I, I read some of the Buckeye message boards and podcasts so i i kind of was keyed in on some of this but um we emeka buka is coming back so he'll become ohio state's wide receiver one next year uh Trayvon henderson's coming back and we talked about tread on the tires and how that can be detrimental you see quinchon judkins transfer to ohio state and now to share a backfield with Travion henderson and from what i understand both guys like the idea. They both understand that they're highly rated by NFL scouts. And they both like the idea of not having to be the guy to carry the ball 270 times, as you Jenkins know, you, has done. You know what this kind of reminds me of? And from a talent, like, draft perspective, it's a even more souped-up version. But it's kind of like what Michigan was able to do with Corum and Edwards, right? Mm-hmm. Like. You've got you're going to take some of the pressure off of of the quarterback, and I know it'll be Will Howard now, but like um, it's interesting because I think a lot of it came down to injuries, right? I mean, obviously at the running back position for Ohio State this year, Henderson, uh, uh, Chip Trainum, um, the big guy, Mayan Williams, Mayan Williams, mm-hmm. yeah, 
like all getting injured and missing a lot of time. And now all of a sudden it's like, like you're saying, hopefully these guys being able to, you know, it'll never be a true 50-50 split, but if it's close enough to 50-50 to share time and carries, it, it would be big and hopefully take some of the burden off them. I haven't looked enough into to Jenkins because he's not draft eligible. Judkins. Judkins, yeah. But I'm not sure what his injury history is. It, uh, no, he's been – he's carried the ball over 500 times for Ole Miss the last two years. So he's been pretty reliable. Healthy. Yeah, yeah I good. mean th- – just to uh, he, Ohio State has done this before, where they've alternated series with running backs. They did it with uh, Mayan Williams and, and Henderson a couple of years ago when Henderson was nicked up, but still trying to play through it. They've done it in the past with J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber, so they've been able to work these tandem backfields. And a lot of times, it means trading entire series with the ball. So they're not they're they're. Uh, I think that allows the running back to get a little bit more of a rhythm than if it's kind of situational or play-by-play. So that's something that would be one to watch because Henderson, if he comes out in this draft, he's probably a top three running back in this class, if not the top running back. But but he stays, and Judkins, who, like you said, not draft eligible, but will be after next year, here you have a – you might have running back one and running back two for the 2025 class in the same backfield. It's going to be interesting to watch. Um, Defensive line, JT Tuimolau and Jack Sawyer are both back. Sawyer had three sacks against Missouri. He was like the lone bright spot for Ohio State in that bowl game. Um, Either one of those surprise you? I think they both make sense. I mean, we talked about JTT, but, like, he's never really popped. And – and except so, against Penn State that's right against Penn State he owns them but um but like he's never really like taken the next step that everybody I mean to that extent neither is Jack Sawyer let's be honest like neither guy he might have in that bowl game now right and so like it makes sense for both of them because you know they finally looked at times this year like they were like they were getting there yeah right and I'll say this about JTT uh in their scheme Buckeyes almost always rush four, and it's those four guys. And so Tui Malau is often supposed to play, you know, set the edge. And so he's not always unleashed. And it seems when he is, he gets after it. He has a a good pass rush success rate if you buy into that stat, which I kind of do because it tells you sacks are coming when they're not necessarily there. Um, But – I agree with you that it makes sense for both to come back because I think if they are unleashed to a degree in on next year's Ohio State team, which appears to have a pretty strong base of talent going into next year, if you get a little bit more of that unleashing, like you saw with Sawyer in the bowl game, these guys are both really talented and potential first-round picks. They wouldn't have been first-round picks this year, though, so I think that's no, why they're coming back. They're also returning with two other guys who are going to make huge – pay huge dividends on this defense and and Tyleek Williams and and, uh, Denzel Burke obviously Williams the interior defensive lineman and then uh, Burke the uh, hopefully outstanding cornerback he was this year he was really and then another guy you didn't mention because safeties we don't really hype up that much on this show but uh, you know 
uh, Lathan Ransom is coming back as well. Right. So, he like, missed the end of the year with an injury. Felt like he had some unfinished business. Um, and I think that was kind of the theme for this Buckeye team was unfinished business because no other well, team saw this many guys come back. Well, and that, and you figure that they might actually be able to beat uh, a Michigan. Now, Harbaugh, so. McCarthyless, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. and also it tells you the NIL is probably pretty good at Ohio State to keep these guys around. I don't know. I mean, I was. I'm curious about that because I just don't. I still don't buy it. Like, I, I. Well, that's why I said if you're not a first rounder, I buy it. But like, if you're, if you're a first rounder, the guaranteed money is just too much to pass up, right? Because almost yeah. all first round contracts are now guaranteed money, and like, the NIL, like for like we talked about with like Travion Henderson, like if he goes in the fifty to sixty range, then if somebody gives him two million next year, then it's completely worth it. But like. Right. If he ends up being a guy that, you know, uh, goes in the in the first round next year, all that money is is guaranteed, and and you can't. I mean, right. you just can't compete with that. And, and with all these guys too, um, Igbuka, Henderson, JTT, Sawyer, Burke, Tyreek Williams, probably Burke. Um, surprisingly, maybe to some people, but probably Burke had the best chance to be a first rounder of that group because I think Buka, I think got lost in the shuffle. I think JTT still would have been a first round. It, well, it would have depended completely on the athletic testing, right? Because yeah. you are projecting some pass rushing there, which I think is a smart thing to do. And and somebody made a smart point too about JTT. Uh, Zach Harrison played the same position as JTT um, a couple years back and didn't get a ton of sacks, but there were games where he was especially impactful. And then uh, he ends up being a third-round pick by the Falcons, even without much hype or college production uh, during his senior year, right? And then he has a pretty good rookie year for a third-round pick especially. So think of JTT some people are saying he's even as athletic as Harrison I doubt that because Harrison was a, a super unique athlete 265 270 who ran like 11 second 100 meters right who yeah. ran a 4-5 in high school so I'm not, I'm not sure JTT is at that level but he's probably like at least on the level of DeBosa's and probably a little more explosive when it comes down to it Definitely without the production at this point. We'll see how this all works out. Uh, this is the thing about this class. And, and the first thing that we, you know, talk about, and, and we always use the consensus big board. Uh, we recommend it highly. But you go to the consensus big board right now, there's six quarterbacks in the in the top 32. Uh, we'll start from the bottom. J.J. McCarthy is at number 32. Bo Nix at 29, Michael Penix at 23, Jane Daniels at 5, Drake May at 3, and then Caleb Williams at 1. So you got six, six quarterbacks in the top 32. Let's just say six in the top 64. Um, that's still a big number of quarterbacks in, in, in that you know first two rounds, really, right? Yeah, I mean, when – you rarely see six quarterbacks in the first round. Um, I think it happened in, two, was it 1999 uh, and 1983? Those are two that, that pop to mind. 
Um, and as I said earlier in the show, I think J.J. McCarthy is going to actually rise in this class. I don't think he'll be the sixth quarterback drafted. Um, I think it's Penix that will end up being the sixth out of that group um, because of the injury history, the age, the unfavorable um, performance against Michigan. That that didn't go too well for him. Um, but anyway, yeah, six quarterbacks. Even if you have six quarterbacks, like you said, in the first two rounds, that's pretty good because you're saying probably all of those six quarterbacks are going to start games in their NFL career. And then I would say, you know, looking at the landscape of this whole quarterback class, I think there's going to be eight or nine guys out of this class who start, who are named a starter at some point. You know, it might only be for a couple of games here and there, but I think you got nine guys in this class, at least, that are going to either end up being NFL starters or players that can be spot starters in the NFL. And after that, you've probably got another four or five guys who you would want to bring in because of their experience, their winning, um, their ability to get the ball out quickly, or just physical tools, like a guy like Joe Melton. The wide receiver class is even deeper. Uh, and, and I think the names are going to change. But 13 in the top 64, and I think we're going to end up seeing closer to maybe um, like f- like 15 to 16 in the top 75. Uh, but Johnny Wilson is at 64. Jalen Polk is at 63. Devontae Walker's at 54. Lad McConkey's at 50. Uh, Xavier Leggett, 43. Xavier Worthy uh, is at 40. Adonai Mitchell is at 35. Troy Franklin's at 34. Brian Thomas, 24. Keon Coleman, 18, Romeo Dunze, 10, Malik Neighbors, 4, and Marvin Harrison Jr., 2. I mean, none of these names outside of maybe Johnny Wilson are out of line. And it's not that we don't like Johnny Wilson. It's just, you know, 6'7", he's not not an elite mover. He's an elite athlete for being 6'7", but, like, as a tight end more than as a wide receiver, right? Well, you find a way to use a guy like that, but NFL teams give us pause on that because they right. don't always get it right. Um, or, or rarely do. Yeah. So, I mean, I think and I, I really want to dig into this receiver class. I've only just started doing it, so I kind of have a preliminary, you know, tier, tiering of these receivers in my head. But don't forget we've got the Senior Bowl – coming up the shrine coming up but the senior bowl really still really moves the needle and you've got guys like malik washington from virginia aeneas smith the uh guy from texas a&m who's played running back and wide receiver uh a lot of people like you said they like lad mcconkey i'm not sure he's a top 50 player in this in this draft Devontae walker's kind of a unique a unique uh Example of, you know, he's just like almost a pure deep threat to me. And I need to see if, if there's more of him to see on tape. He's so good going long, but then he's a big guy. And I don't, I don't know if he's a top 50 guy. 
But you've got then you've got these possession receivers like Malachi Corley, a guy you like. He's coming out of the group of five. Ricky Pearsall, who showed incredible hands. You got Brendan Rice coming out of South, uh, out of USC. The Southern Cal. Rece- yeah, the third receiver, Jalen McMillan, out of Washington. Right. And then Jacob Cowling out of U of A, who we both liked, who didn't have the best year, but like he catches has- a lot of passes. They right. used him as like an extended handoff so much and at so Arizona. It's, and it's, those those senior bowl guys are going to get a boost. They 100%. always do. Yeah, and it's you know it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys work out. But it, the the receiver class is loaded. On the other side of things, there are some really shallow and and the first one's wider or sorry running back. Um, this is a legit. There's a legitimate that we don't get a running back taken in the first two rounds. Most likely in the first round, but uh, you only have two running backs on the consensus big board in the top 64, which would be the, the second round. And I think Trey Benson is the first running back and then Blake Corum. But I can see Corum going in the third. Um, he's, his usage, yeah. He's been used a ton. He's, had, he's played four years. Uh, he was the heart and soul of that team, honestly. I mean, you look at that guy's face. He, he is the ultimate Michigan man and if you, you if you don't love Michigan you want to slap him but if you love Michigan he is your heart and soul and that might get him into the second round because and it's not like I think he's going to test like crap I think he's going to test pretty well if he runs like he will be a sub 4-5 guy he's fast and I think he's pretty explosive he's, he's very small but he's compact he's small and squatty but I don't know. In most classes, you wouldn't want Blake Corum to be the, your number two running back. Like, right. it, it's just he's a, the type of guy you love to get in the third or fourth round, and he's a steal for you. You don't want to overextend for a guy built like Blake Corum. Um, but again, I mean, you look at his stats. He was fantastic. He's a touchdown machine. He's you, you can't stop him around the goal line. He's going to find it away into the end zone, but he averaged 4.8 yards a carry. So he was stuffed a lot, and then he would break off some big runs. So I think that's something that, again, you you don't necessarily want that to be your running back two. And then your running back three is probably Bucky Irving, and I think the consensus board has him in the third round, but he's a guy might be under 200 pounds. So having Henderson out of this class – that's that's huge because your running backs get you know three there and then you're gonna have to do some more work you know some nitty-gritty scouting to find out who you want behind those guys there are going to be really good running backs emerge from this class but they're just prospect wise value is going to be in the fourth round or later um you have a couple interesting guys that I, I want to watch the process. Braylon Allen and Will mm-hmm. Shipley, uh, both highly, highly, highly ranked recruits who never really found their footing, right? Like they had very good careers, but they never had the breakouts that we were expecting. Um, they didn't generate the hype that they would need to. And I think you kind of make a point here. They had some great seasons, why didn't they get that hype? Yeah, and so we'll we'll see how that works out. I think Allen's going to test incredible. He's 240 think, pounds, and he's going to run 
sub four Al- five. I think Allen's going to be a sneaky running back one in terms of where he's drafted in this class. When someone sees him run, <laughs> he's going to get that boost. Shipley's yeah. hurt though, right? Yeah. So unfortunately, we might get not get to see him test, and uh, that's something we probably would want to see. Uh, tight end is another one. We know Brock Bowers is going to go early, probably not as early as everybody thinks, but I mean that's to be seen. I, I, uh, he'll probably go fourth overall, the way our no. predictions go. He will not go to the Cardinals. <laughs> before, I can promise you that much. Okay, uh, uh, but uh, Bowers is going to go in the first round. Jatavion Sanders is the other guy on the consensus big board, top 50. Um, and then the next guy's not until 91, Cade Stover. I thought Cade was going back. He's, is he ineligible now? No, Stover is, is coming out. Um, okay. He came back last year as a fourth year. I think he was a fourth year junior. Um, so this year he played as a fifth year senior. So he is in this class. And, you know, he's going to be an older prospect, but. I think he, I honestly think he'll be in the mix for tight end too, but I don't think that means the consensus board is wrong. I just think the second tight end might not be picked till the third round. The guy that I like in this class as like a, like a late day two, early day three version of Brock Bowers is Jaheim Bell out of Florida State. Um, if, if people remember Eric Stoner and his, well, it was it 80% rule? I, I don't remember. It's been so long. But, like, you know, if you can get 80% of Brock Bowers at Jaheim Bell but get him in the fourth round as opposed to fourth overall, like, isn't that the goal in that spot, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's, a, I think, a key component of scouting, and it definitely guides you if you're looking to trade out of certain picks and you feel like you'll be in position to make, uh, make a pick like that. There's definitely risk involved that's what we could get into a whole um philosophy thing about this during the course of this draft season but that's the idea behind that you're you're saying um oh if i'm arizona and somebody wants to move up to four and draft brock bowers and like you said they're not even going to to take bowers because they've got trey mcbride right now he's he's kind of humming along um but say they wanted brock bowers so some team's going to give them a bunch of money, a bunch of picks to, um, you know, or, or a player and some picks, some combo to move back so they can take Bowers and then you can get Bell fourth, fifth round. Yeah, that's a win. Philosophically, right? Because right. Bowers, I, I mean, we've talked about him and I feel like it's almost been kind of poo-pooing it, but... He's a fantastic player, right? When we talk about him, it's about draft value, about tight end. How's he going to be used? But if some team's going to use him, even remotely similar, similarly to how Georgia does, which in the NFL, again, it's just not a creative, right-brained league, then you could see some really cool stuff, and he, he could be a top-five player in this class. And in fact, I mean, I think he's one of the blue chippers in this class. It just gets down to, is is somebody going to do what Arthur Smith did to Kyle Pitts? Right. Uh, you mentioned well, def, you know, a couple places on defense, but I just want to talk about the defense in general real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, the highest ranked defensive player is number nine, Dallas Turner. Which uh, I agree with. 
uh, number eleven, Jerzon Johnny Newton, my one of my favorite players in this draft. But like the overall defense, especially the 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 premier positions, it feels it feels down this year. And I think it's because you don't have one guy. You don't have a Will Anderson. You don't have a uh, Chase Young. You don't have a Nick Bosa uh, in this class. You have guys that look like they could be very good, but you don't have you don't have guys that look like they're going to be the the pass rushers or the guy coming off the edge. And quite frankly, I don't know if we have that at corner either. You and I like Kool-Aid McKinstry, but you know, he had his his own struggles this year. Um and then, you know, again, Johnny Newton, I would put him up there with the guys that we're getting the billing as being, you know, the best player in the draft and like Jalen Carter and those guys. But you and I have always said, like, we wouldn't take them in the top 10. Right. Um, and, and the consensus board conveniently for us has Johnny Newton at 11. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like, it's just a weird class. I mean, Lotu, uh, Lotu, Lotu is a great pass rusher, but I mean, this is a guy that medically retired. And I think his testing is going to be, like, okay, but not – it might be, like, Marcus Golden, a little bit right. better than that, right? Which – what did Golden go? Second round? Yeah. Second and he's round. had a and good career, a really right, good career. He's had career. an ex- excellent career. But they, no. And they had Latu – I'm sorry, they had Latu at 11. Thir- no, they have him at 13 right now. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. So it's Newton at, at 11, McKinstry at 12, oh, yes, Latu yes. 13, and Jared Verse – 14 um and then nate wiggins 15 so like all of the top defensive linemen or defensive prospects like in there together but like you look at the overall you know offense versus defense in the top it's an offensive draft it is and it's quarterback tackle and receiver right right well really good tackles we're not talking about that tonight but we will eventually well, you know what's crazy too is like we've talked about this before. It's crazy that you could that in in the NFL today where obviously those guys are the best players or the most important players these that there's this many good ones in this class, but then on the flip side, it feels like because defense is so hard to play that it's hard to find defensive players and, and this this class is just I don't want to say lacking because they're all very good but there's just not the same high end talent. You don't have the standouts that we're used to seeing and that's why you know you mentioned McKinstry and I think he's a really good player and obviously you want your team to draft a guy that that you know changed his name on the roster to Kool-Aid. I mean that's very fun and cool but uh I think there's a discussion to be had about who's the top corner. And the thing is, you're going to put Cooper DeJean in this discussion. And there are going to be teams that don't even look at him as a corner. They're going to look at him more uh, in the, you know, playmaker role that we see like a Honey Badger or Buda Baker, guys like that play, right? Kyle Hamilton. Because DeJean could be that type of player. But he could also be a cover corner. So do you want to – where do you want to play this guy? So if – you know, if I'm taking Dijon, I'm probably 
of the mind that I wanted to hone in to that, you know, that instinct where he's a playmaker all over the field. So I'm probably not viewing him as a tr- like a pure corner, right? I think he'd do it, but that's not what I envision for him. Um, whereas, you know, I have to watch more of Wiggins, but and and some people say Terry and Arnold from Bama is a better corner than his teammate McKinstry, and. Right. From the limited viewing I've seen, I can get that because I'm seeing I've I've seen where McKinstry's got turned around by some of these good receivers they faced, and then I've seen where Terry and Arnold is like an eraser. So I got to check these guys out a little bit more. But um, and then you know in this corner class, you had a guy like Quinion Mitchell, who we love the Toledo corner. We've talked about him going way back, but. He's in the top thirty in this consensus board, and you're you're not you're rarely drafting a player from the MAC in the top three rounds. So you got to be sure you're going to hit that one. You got to really watch Quinion Mitchell and see is he is what he's doing in the MAC translate to the NFL? Because uh, you know he's going to have to have the length, the speed, and all that stuff. Because surely he was dominant at that level, but I don't think he's going to have those freedoms that he had to make plays at the NFL level. We'll have to see. Can we say that this is a class that has a ton of starters, but may not have a ton of like all pro types? Like, is that a fair on defense? Yeah. Defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think, cause I think you do have a really good group of defensive players. Um, but you're go, you're going to want to go shopping on day two for that. Right. right. Because the offense is where it's at I th- I th- on day I one. Think Right, and I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of guys, that, that, um, <clears throat> kind of are going to be, like, decade long starters. Like they're going to be fantastic multi pro bowlers, but they just may not be, you know, they. We're on this show, all the time saying like, don't, uh, don't you know call this guy the next you know. Aaron Donald or don't call this guy you know the next Fletcher, Fletcher Cox like w- give these guys like a chance and like guys like Tavondre Sweat and, and Byron Murphy like they have a chance to be qu- high quality NFL players but they may not be you know all pro types and there's there's literally nothing wrong with that it's just that when you're told over and over and over again you know that like oh this guy is the next you know uh best interior defensive lineman that, that we've ever seen and then he ends up getting five sacks on the season and you're like wait I thought this was supposed to be the guy like that's that's what makes it hard I mean I think you have a I think you have a lot of guys that can be you know at Oliver who had a fantastic season this year right but like some would say being a top 10 pick he's underwhelmed in his career right but right but uh, that that's kind of a, the point we've always made about defensive tackles is they they're like tight ends they marinate slowly, right? Right. You see well, and, some and of even, these guys, like Derek Brown, had a fantastic year. Um, I know there's a guy you want to talk about soon. I won't mention him, but a lot of these defensive tackles, they they come along slowly, and by the third year, they're playing like they're worth their weight in gold. And so you you do, I think, more projection with the defensive tackle spot when you're talking about drafting. It's similar to tight end, where we don't see tight ends break out early very often. It happens right. sometimes, but oftentimes it's not till the second or third year. 
Well, and there's a guy that, like, and not even the guy I want to talk about, but, like, there's a guy in, in Quinn and Williams who yeah. last last year was an all-pro. Uh, he had finished, 12 or 13 sacks, right? Yeah, 12 sacks, um, you know, 12 tackles for loss, had 28 quarterback hits, like, phenomenal year. He had five and a half sacks this year. Which is and, Pretty solid for really interior good. line, but yeah, but I, I mean, they just paid him twenty five million a year. It's not like so. This is why we we're kind of going off on a tangent, but that's okay because that's how the show is built. But yeah, uh, you, you you're looking for edge in the top five, right? We're always looking for double digit sacks, right? It it didn't quite happen with Will Anderson this year. He had seven, but he was banged up and missed some time. But you look at a Miles Garrett who even though famously I think if you look back at our shows back then um, or were we doing the show? Yeah, we were. That was our last year doing it for draft breakdown where we were kind of like, you know, is he really going to be the best player in this draft? And I pushed back on it a lot and and really challenged people to sell me on it. Turns out they were right. Um, This guy's been, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. But he's he's getting double digit sacks every single year of his career, right? I mean, right. The, and even if he, the fact that he had what fourteen or fifteen this year, even though 14, yeah. he got shut out six games toward the end of the year, because they're he's getting so much attention. And then you saw guys like Zadari Smith and Alex Wright getting sacks because of all the attention they're paying to Miles Garrett. But you don't get that with a lot of interior linemen. No, and it makes it harder. And, like, you know, everybody's always searching for the unicorn. Everybody wants the next Aaron Donald. So it it seems like the consensus board has kind of – maybe it's just because of the the group of players we have this year. But the consensus board is feeling that this year because only Jerzon Newton is in their first round. But we do have to talk about one thing, and that's uh, when you – when you, you know, obviously have the the one of the greatest teams ever assembled. Uh, I mean, they were going to roll through the season. They drafted all the Georgia players that were part of the greatest defenses that college football has ever seen, and it was just going to translate right to like the this Philadelphia Eagles team was. I mean, they're, they're I, nobody's going to stop them, right? I mean, they they're not going to lose to Baker Mayfield in the first round of the playoffs, uh, right? like. And they just did. Oh they yeah, just yeah, did. yeah. So I mean, that's the thing is you know we go back and and you look at you you go back and you look at it like uh, at elite takes. You know, it's unfair to freak out on anyone who passed on Jalen Carter. I've come to terms with the fact that Philly was a spot for him, all things considered. <laughs> but. Uh, you know how how is it? How did he end up there? Uh, you know, you've got um, you've got what? How, where did his name go? Uh, our 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 buddy um, Doug Farrar, you know, talking about Jalen Carter is just an unfair matchup down after down. Like uh, Ryan Fowler of of the draft network can't say enough good things about Jalen Carter unfair in one-on-one situation. Uh, you know, these guys just, I mean, they got the, they got the best player in the draft. I mean, how, how I just don't understand 
how this this defense can be this bad when you have the best player. I mean, you remember they don't not only got him, but they got the steal of the night because they got Nolan Smith at thirty, <laughs> who did have right? a sack tonight. Yeah, but they're also experimenting with him at off-ball linebacker because he's too undersized. Yeah, he's small to to play. Uh, like it's just crazy to me that we we go into such hyperbole immediately. So right? yeah, to this point, right? Like we had we said Carter was we we didn't like him as the top player in the draft, right? And and I think we were pretty much in agreement when we recapped the first round that where he went at number nine was good, right? That was kind of a good spot. And he's going to, he might be the defensive rookie of the year when the awards come out. Cause he had six sacks and um, Anderson, I think had seven, but, uh, and again, there was injuries there with, with the Anderson situation. But the thing is a, a Carter just seemed to wear down as the season went. And I think that goes to our point that we were trying to make with the defensive linemen, it, it takes a while for them to get into that NFL conditioning. Well, and, and to be fair to him, and you know, the reality was he never played that much in college. Right. We, like, we talked about that leading into the draft. Like, he was on the sideline at key moments. And, I, I, and that wasn't meant to knock him. It was just like that's what their coaching staff was doing. So they knew those big guys needed breaks. And and you know he had a he had a very good season, so I don't want to take anything he did. away from, it, from and, him. You know, in, in in fact, I would probably say we maybe undersold him on this show how good he was this year. He was very good, and that's not the point we're trying to make right now. I don't think. Well, no, just the point is, is like you have you end up with guys like uh, you know, I. And I know approximate value is not the the be all end all, but like that's when right. a guy, EPA is yeah, when a guy points. like <laughs> yeah. when a guy like Jalen Carter, who again had a very good year, ended with six sacks, has his his approximate values too on the season, mm-hmm. and you have guys like um, you know Yaya Diaby, and I know he plays a di- different position, but Yaya Diaby with a five. In Jacksonville, um, right? Yeah. No, no, in Tampa. Oh, sorry, Tampa, yeah. Yeah, you know, Kalijah Cansey with a six. And he went in the first round, right? In he the did. In the 20s. Yeah. Uh, and he was a defensive tackle, by the way. Right. Uh, Dante Stills. Uh, he was a fifth-round pick, wasn't he? S- Sixth-round pick. Sixth-round pick. He finished with a three in approximate value. Um, you know, it's just – it's always interesting to look at because, it, again, it's not saying that you could have gotten a better player or that – but I think hindsight for even the Eagles at this point would have been like, man, we probably could have used a corner, right? Like – or we probably could have used uh, a, a linebacker or, uh, you know – any any of these other positions that can tackle um, because apparently they can't st- stop the run or or get pressure and yeah. so it's just it's crazy to think well even that, if you want defensive tackle Cansey goes ten picks later right and and like you said was more productive and that was a guy we liked it, it, and they're different types of players they're just different right. types of players but Cansey was a guy who showed up as a pass rusher in college 
And I understand you have to look. I, I brought up with the JTT and Zach Harrison example. You have to look at how they're used, certainly, and then project if you think, okay, that usage is what they're doing in college, but you know they're going to unleash this guy. And look at Trayvon Walker. It took him a year, but then he got double-digit sacks this year. But if you look but you at still, first, I mean, would you still take Trayvon over Aiden Hutchinson? Um, it, it feels like it's it. It was. That's where I, I, my conspiracy theory brain goes. Oh, the NFL is definitely rigged. Like they had to get Aiden Hutchinson to to Detroit <laughs> to be part of that. No, group. I think there. I mean, I think that maybe there's a contingent that tries to do that, and maybe they're successful because they can bait. Uh, execs into following you know they always say they don't follow media coverage but the media boards are always pretty close you know they're they're in the ballpark of what happens right right i I mean not to this not to the team not in a mock draft sense but in a general range of rating sense they kind of know what's going on like so you can you can follow along and your your ratings can be the same as theirs and you'll be good predictively but um are you really nailing it down and just to go through like the first few players bryce young obviously struggled terribly this year i don't think in any redraft he's going number one stroud's going number one for sure in any redraft uh will anderson's probably still going top two or three anthony richardson he's still probably going top two or three Devin weatherspoon went five Paris Let me Johnson, ask you, like yeah. Bijan, those guys are all still going over Carter, aren't they? But let me ask you this. Like, to that point, a guy like Puka Nakua, who put up a, a insane record-setting year and then topped it off with the greatest rookie performance by a wide receiver in NFL history in a playoff game, I mean, you're not taking him top 10, are you? You might be. <laughs> we we got to... Yeah, think about this. Um, but but here was my point with it, this. It's, and I, I don't, it's hard I don't to wanna... see with guys like Cup and Puka in that system. Like, what would they right. be somewhere else? But they're phenomenal in, right. in that. And, I, and I don't, I don't want to throw these guys under the bus because they're mm-hmm. just guys on Twitter and stuff. But like, it, the hype was what got me, and it, that's why it's funny to like let things play out, right? Like they're, and I won't say they're ads. You can find them if you really want to. But like Jalen, like this is literally a statement. Jalen Carter is the type of player teams throw an entire season away to get the opportunity to draft. Right. I, that's 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 Why? nuts. I mean, you you don't do that for anybody but a quarterback. Right. Uh, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter are unfair. Hard to run an offense when the middle of your O line is caving in constantly. Well, wasn't somebody? Wasn't one of their coaches screaming at Jordan Davis recently? Uh, this one is. This one's going to go over a lot of heads, but the, I, I save this one especially for Justin. Okay. <laughs> okay. Jalen Carter to the Eagles is the most unfair addition to sports since James Worthy to the Lakers. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean that that must have been tweeted in September because, well, it, and that it, and that's what it is, man. Yeah, like, that's what that's what gets me is like, again, Jalen Carter, probably one of the top three guys in the rookie of the year for for defensive. Rookie. I think it's between him and Anderson to be clear. Yeah, but but like I don't even know if he was top ten in terms of defensive rookie impact. Like he's got the he's got the hype behind him. He's got all of that. But like, you look at it. Will Anderson 
is is probably number one with the bullet. But I mean, you had guys. I mean, you, you had a guy. In, Witherspoon in, was really good. Yeah, and you had guys in L.A. and Byron Young and uh, who's the yeah. other guy that, uh, that had more sacks? Young was like a fifth round pick too, wasn't he? He was a third. It was third the round. other guy yeah, that I can't round. remember off the top of my head um, that they had. Uh, who was the other guy they had that was really good? Anyways, uh, but yeah, I mean, you look at it just from a defensive standpoint. Like, like I said, you've you've got Anderson, you've got Byron Young, um, you've got uh, the kid out of the uh, with the Chargers to a uh, Tuli to a Paul Lotu. Yeah, to Paul Lotu. Yeah, yeah. Kalijah Cansey, like you said, Devon Weatherspoon was phenomenal. Um, the kid out of out of Miami and. and uh, Chicago had a really good season. Tyreek Stevenson, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, he's really good. Like these guys, these guys all had these big years, and it's not to say that Jalen Carter is not going to be very good, and he that he wasn't a very good rookie, and that he won't be a very good pro. It's just that like the hype was, it was that. That's the most hype I can remember for a non quarterback yeah ever. i i agree um it was because quinn and williams hype was quite strong although most people still went bosa over quinnon right but uh, that was one of the first years i can remember I, you know who had a lot of hype and it's probably overlooked because of the era it was in with the covid and all that stuff but it was um icky equanu the, yeah. the guard slash tackle from uh, nc state right and who was awful this year. Yeah, he had a rough, rough go because – and you and I, I don't remember if if Sully said that on our offensive line show, but you and I were talking about him as a guard, and that's where he would thrive, and that's why we didn't like him as the number one pick. I remember there was some sentiment for Leo Collins to be a number one pick. Uh, of course, he went undrafted because of off-the-field things that actually had nothing to do with him. Um, as we found out later, but um, still not a guy who ever should have been in the conversation for first overall pick, right? And I still believe he would have been a first-round pick in reality if he had not been facing some ridiculous, you know, they they were talking to him about a murder he had nothing to do with. That's super unfortunate, but he was never the number one pick, Um, never the number one player in the class. Um, and it's different this year. You had you got a guy like Marvin Harrison, where you could talk about, is he actually the best player in this class quarterback? Be damned. That to me is a legitimate conversation. There, it, It's funny to me because I'm in mean, something we'll get into, but there are two guys I think that are legitimately like have the, have the, uh, the game and everything that they've done to be looked at as like, the best players in this class. And for me, it's Marvin Harrison and Joe Alt. Like, I think those two, I think those two guys are so freaking good. And the crazy thing is you're talking strictly non quarterback. No, just anybody. Oh, I think okay. I just think I, I would so you say take Marvin, Alt over any potentially over anybody in this class, except Marvin Harrison. Yeah. I so think, I think, yeah, I think, I think Harrison jr. And Alt are, are probably one and two in this class. Interesting. Me. Like they're they're that good, but what's crazy about it is that I don't think that they're 
like so much better in the sense of like like I would say like I'll probably once the Grades are out. I'll probably have like Malik Neighbors top five, right? Probably, yeah. And, I mean, I and, think he is probably at least top ten, right? And and I'll probably have Olofushanu top ten. And yeah. so you'll look at those guys, and he, you'll be especially like, after you see him test, right? And and you'll be like, oh, these guys are one and two, or two and three, or one and three, and, and stuff like that. But like, you still have great players in this class. It's just that I'm not going to be like, if you know, if Joel Alt goes nine, I'm not going to be like. This is a travesty. I cannot believe <laughs> that the greatest. Well, you're not active pros- enough on X. So. Yeah, I know. I got to just start being. Because ridiculous. that's how you get engagement. That's how you right. get. To, I got you, you, to be ridiculous with my statements. Yeah, as well. that and you have yeah. to take other people's video clips and, and post something above it, like um, the googly eyes. <laughs> the eyes but, popping. Yeah, exactly. But it'll be interesting to see where these guys fall because, uh, you know, it's it's good to be back. Uh, it's going to be crazy, and and we'll get going on this, especially as as we get closer to like yeah. the All Star games. And the, the thing is, we assure you guys, we have takes. We, we yeah. text them to each other all the time. We just don't. It's it stinks, and it's it's probably not going to be a long term thing. It's probably a short term thing for this draft season, but we just don't have time right now. But we're finding it now. So now holidays are over. I dragged Seth out of bed for this. <laughs> he said, oh, I'm sick. And I said, "Get, come on, let's do a show. <laughs> That's not, exactly. not true. But. That's it. That is how it went. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited. This should be fun. We're going to see how this all turns out. This is a good uh, class. I'm excited for this class. Dude, I wish I had more time best, to spend on it. I was going to say, this is one of the best classes I can remember in a long time. Even the old it's, quarterbacks are kind of good. Like, and it's just, it's we, just we pushed cr- back against like Kenny Pickett. But this this uh, class has like three old quarterbacks that are better than him. It's just crazy to me that this, as good as this offensive class is, there's not one guy on the defensive side of the ball that you're like, he's the man. Like, like there, like I said, Johnny Newton I think is phenomenal. I just don't know if you can take him in the top ten. Like with with the wide receivers. You know, even taking out the quarterbacks, like the wide receivers and the offensive linemen that are that are going to be there, <laughs> like it's crazy. To it, me. it is. We might not see a defensive player picked in the top ten, and so I'll but, go off. But the, it doesn't mean. But go, it doesn't mean they're bad either. No, it doesn't. But I'll go off the script, and we. I think we saw this a couple of years ago, right? Remember, Jalen Phillips was the edge one, and he was like yeah. a top fifteen guy, right? But who's the first defensive player off the board? I think it's Dallas Turner. Yeah, I would think it's Turner, and I think he's going to end up going top ten. I just don't I think he'll know. go like eight, nine, ten, yeah, I somewhere just around. Don't there. know where he fits in, yet right? Because there's so many moving parts. And a couple of years ago, the, I think the top defensive guys in the class I was talking about were corners, right? Yeah. Sertan and Horn. Am I thinking of the right class? Yep. Yep. Okay, that's the right one. Yeah. So, so, so I think it's kind of like that class, except. We don't have the ugly shortened season that we have to go off of, but we've got, um, yeah, I mean, we've got some players in this class, but they're, they're like you said, there's no, there's no Nick Bosa, there's no Chase Young, there's no, uh, I'll just keep naming Ohio State guys. There's no Quentin Williams. There's no, you know what I mean? There's no Derek, Derek Stingley had a great year. 
Um, we just don't have that this year. Yeah, there's no Sauce Gardner. Like, Sauce Gardner, just, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's just not these guys that, that we've been, you know, waiting to see. And, and it doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means that, you know, this offensive class is so loaded. It may be next year when, you, when you're when able to stock up on the, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Anything else before we get out of here? No, it's just good to be back. And um, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, please support the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the Patreon, we'll open that back up, I think, in about eight days or so by the time you listen to this. So be on the lookout for that because we'll, we'll get some more shows up on the Patreon and ultimately we'll get the rankings up and things like that too. So um, it's the original Draft Breakdown podcast on Patreon. So check that out. Links in our bios on X. I'm at AFC to NFC and you're at S Cox. FB, FB still? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So check those links out. Um, even if you don't want to and you just want to listen for free, we'll have more shows coming up on the free feed going forward through April. And then uh, we'll figure out what to do in the summer. But that's a conversation for another day. All right. Thanks for listening as always. We'll be back later uh, in the week, hopefully, with another episode. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>